Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Now that heart is beating fast And that's the rhythm I can dance to well, I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to That one big heart that's beating fast Tomorrow morning let it rain Tomorrow morning let it pour Tonight we're in the groove together Ain't gonna worry about Stormy weather Gonna kick old trouble out the door. Here we are, Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Dale Bridge, Empress Dowger, you're with <laughs> us again. I'm honoured. This show pony is on it. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good, yes. Yeah, I no complain. And just in case you've forgotten who I am, my name's Joseph Toscano. Can I tell you a funny story before we uh, interview this live wire we've got? <laughs> we must. Uh, this is, this I've is hilarious. I've had two coffees, so be yeah. careful, Joe. No, no, this is, this is a story. You've got to be self-deprecating. Right? <laughs> That's the way it goes. It's hard. Finish Eureka Day. We've gone down to the pub for our annual Eureka dinner yesterday, right? Yep. Louise Byrne from the West Papua Independence Movement, right? Yep. She says, she says, Joe, there's something on the back of your pants. Uh-oh. And I said... White. She said, it's some white patch. So uh-uh. she comes over and rubs the back of me, me pants, <laughs> and then she moves back and says, oh, Joe, it's only the sunshine. <laughs> I think that's just an excuse to grab your bottom. Uh, not, no, 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 no. She's not that type of woman. You know. oh, that's the type of thing that's I a great do. excuse, though. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm yet to meet just, Louise, I think, but uh, yeah. she sounds formidable in her emails. No, excuse me, you haven't, you haven't been introduced. Oh, come on, Joe. We've made friends here now, eh? No, we don't. We've got a show pony here, too, and me, so, you're you know. David Bradbury, you're a show pony. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. No, yeah. We only ask two questions, obviously, the first question, nothing personal, mate. You look yeah. as old as I am. What year were you born? 51. Same year. What month? Really? May. Oh, you're older than me. <laughs> like, you, like you said, you've got to respect your elders now here after Joe, okay? Yeah. Uh, I no, did, back I, I did you, do boy. a segment on respect this morning because there was a lot of respect <laughs> problems <laughs> yesterday. Was there? Uh, well, we burnt Scott Morrison as an effigy and uh, the, the legacy media was on us like a... <laughs> like a ton of bricks and I said well I said but it's disrespectful and I said well if he shows us some respect we'll show him some respect yeah. very simple Fair enough you, you've got to earn respect so exactly, you've got yeah. to earn your spurs here mate mm. 51 yeah. now the second question you've got oh I think about 54 minutes to answer this is <laughs> what's the first thing <laughs> I can clack on you know yeah I know you've got a bag there you haven't got a bomb in there <laughs> tick 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 did no. you did you check out the bag Dale <laughs> no, 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 no I'm not into self-immolation if I'm a show pony and I'm no, not no, going to take the self out unless I leave it here for you I mean, and Dale I've mean, I, I, I got an injured small toe from yesterday and that's enough I mean that's, that's disgusting well the spirit of Eureka after yeah. all you know yeah, it I is mean, the spirit you weren't Lawler getting shot or whatever so yeah no no but I've got an injured toe yeah. Yeah. the lateral border but getting back so what's the first thing you can remember about planet Earth being on planet Earth sorry I think uh, when I was about 18 months old mum had, uh, was obliged to 
get out of where we lived in a working class suburb of Sydney mm-hmm. because Dad uh, was a a lay preacher, Plymouth Brethren, mm-hmm. and he hadn't paid the rent, and it was about the umpteenth time that uh, Mum had had to deal with that. So she had a thirteen-year-old son, my older brother, who passed away in the middle of this year. Right. Sadly, what was his name? Missed, his name was John, wow. and he was the one that uh, basically inspired me about knowing that an island called New Guinea existed to the north of Australia. When I went up to visit him playing football as a schoolboy... Mm, let's get back to Okay, that. back to you. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I am a bit of a, a, bit I mean, of a, a meanderer. Well, so, I've noticed yeah. that. That's I know I've got to kill 54 minutes here. You don't have to kill so, anything. You, know? you don't have to kill anything. Well, <laughs> I might enough. kill you. Or, you know, so. <laughs> well, do me a favour if you want to. <laughs> Uh, we, uh, we got a camera because we put this on YouTube. If he's going to kill me, we can make some bucks. <laughs> a buck for three CR. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got the little iPhone here, so <laughs> I can do a little <laughs> selfie, a video here. So just tell me when you're ready for it. All right. Yeah, so what's this memory? I'm, I'm, I'm hanging so, out. So, um, Mum was uh, really in a bit of a flap. I was, as I said, I was very young, 18 months old. But on hindsight, she must have been a, a flap because she was finally le- leaving my dad, and she was moving the furniture, the few sticks of furniture that we had. And my my sister, Ruth, who was about um, six years older than me, was entrusted to look after me and distract me while mum dealt with the, the bailiff and the uh, and the furniture removalist to move us up, you know, 50 miles out of Sydney and uh, back to her mother and father's place. And... Uh, and so we, we went for a dinky, you know, you know, a dinky, yeah, yeah, like yeah. a three-wheeler. You'd know that, Joe. I'm not sure if Dale would hear with no, her. she's too young. Too young for it, yeah. yeah. So we took the dinky and, and evidently I sort of um, uh, clocked my head on it there. Not not major, not a blood run at all, but I was in my sister's arms. She was crying because she'd let mum down when she was entrusted to look after me. Mm. I was crying because I'd hurt myself and uh, <laughs> and that, you totally know, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. that was about my first memory right. into planet Earth. Cheers. Now, uh, I just just uh, interesting questions. Did you have any contact with your father after that? Or? I did. Yeah, yeah I or, I came to love him and and know him from my teenage years. Right. Mum had been pretty bitter about the the marriage breakup. Of course, mm. it was rare in those days. Today, Very it's, rare. It's, yeah, every mm. second marriage breaks up, and the kids go with mum or dad or week mm. on week off. But. Uh, mm. In my era, that was, you know, we stay together for the sake of the kids and uh, would have been really hard for my mum to have uh, made that choice also because she was a strong Christian and uh, mm. when you get married, uh, that's forever after, you know, and she's so, really so tried what? hard, I'm as my bit, dad I'm did as well, but he was a little bit like me. This is an insight for you, Joe and yeah. Dale. Very driven by his um, determination to save souls for Christ for so, the hereafter. And, fair uh, enough. Yeah. I'm a, bit, I'm a bit confused, which is un- isn't unusual. Well, What's the difference between right. a, a Plymouth Brethren and an exclusive Brethren? Is there a difference? Uh, I think the exclusive was, were more exclusive. Yes, they had an yeah, even yeah. more far-bent interpretation mm. of the Scripture and mm. exclusive where they wouldn't let people in that were you know, mm. sort of uh, even Plymouth Brethren probably, you know? Right. Yeah. So... But what is a Plymouth Brethren? What's, what's well, the Well, I think they're a breakaway group uh, from Plymouth, the, uh, the, right. the seaside town mm. in England, that um, formed this breakaway group from the exclusives. And I don't know what point of scripture it was based upon, Joe. You're mm. asking a good question that um, I need. I'll research. My older brother would know it, but he's no longer here. So, no. yeah. Right. So, so, as a child, uh, was... Uh, 
your Christian belief important to you? you said it you was a very much. Christian. Mm. Yeah, I went to Sunday school Sunday morning and then went to church on Sunday 11 o'clock and mm. uh, then probably that evening mm. and uh, Christian Endeavour in the afternoon and then Young Crusaders on a Friday night, which uh, allowed you as a young kid to and teenager to let off a lot of hot steam racing around and mm. doing... Um, uh, some salts and uh, the old wooden horse and right. that sort of stuff. You, know? you said your brother and you and your sister moved in with your mother's parents. Well, we didn't actually. Mum moved up and, and she built a fibro two-bedroom shack in Long Jetty, which was um, uh, just north of Sydney on the central coast, near right. the ocean, near the mm. beach, which is how I developed the mm. love, passion for the ocean and uh, right. and the nature and, uh, so, so and so on. What, 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 what drove her to do that? Did she well, she had no choice at all. She'd tried and tried from her point of view to keep it together with Bill and give him another chance to put a roof over her head because that was what you did in those days, traditional right. patriarchy, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. father provide the bread and butter. So they came back together again? No, they didn't come back, back together. together, no. no. She um, never did. Dad wanted to put it together, mm-hmm. but uh, Mum had had enough by that. And yeah. Dad had uh, serious mental illness issues. He had right. uh, depression and he was in and out of uh, mm-hmm. the mental, uh, what they called them, asylum. In That's those right, days in days. Sydney, yeah, 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 electric shock treatment, like one flew over the cuckoo's nest and that. Mm. I didn't know any of that till a lot later and that, yeah. but that's what mum was mm. dealing with and three kids. So it was very much your Aussie butler, single mum and right. uh, bringing us up. Mm. With uh, no, no government support in those days. Or minimal, minimal. Minimal, yeah. yeah. I think, think she had to take, I, mean, I think she had to take dad to court because mm. dad's way, as with a lot of men of that era and today mm. as well, mm. was to try and humble his wife and force her to do his, what he wanted. Yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. painting a bad picture on the one hand of my father, but he was a product of his times and there was great sides to my dad that I love dearly, still mm. do about him. But, mm. He, mum had to take him to court in order to get maintenance and mm. she worked in a, a factory at the top of our street you now sewing um, pillow slips and tea towels together while putting us through school and I never knew that we were poor because it wasn't it wasn't, f- it wasn't an yeah. issue. Yeah. No. Bread and dripping when I came home, threw off my mm. school but sandals and off to over sandhills to the hang surf. On, hang on, hang on. I, I look, I'm a product of the bread and dripping age. I want to know. <laughs> I want to know whether you got salt and pepper on your. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Had that little bit of yeah. that little bit of brown gravy in amongst all the yeah, fat that yeah, you sort of hanker yeah. for. Yeah, yeah. On on white crusty bread with yeah. salt and pepper. On salt it and well. pepper. Yeah, yeah, I just thought I thought that was really tough. You needed that. No salt and pepper. I thought that was that's. That's hard, that's hard. <laughs> now, now, going back to this uh, fibre, there are some communities on the uh, central coast where people actually just squatted little bits of land and actually built things. Was, was, mm-hmm. Did your mother own no, the land? No, she, no, she had a, a, a block of land that she must have bought um, either with the help of her mother and father or <coughs> her limited savings, 68A McLaughlin Avenue Long Jetty. Mm. I got lost evidently in the bush the first day, you know. Right. So how old were you? <laughs> About 18 months. months and you yeah. got lost in the I bush. I wandered out there or something, oh, crawled no, out no, or no, toddled no. out. No. Yeah, but, uh, you know, that really helped me develop a love of nature and uh, mm. the bush and combined with my Christian upbringing about being a good steward to the earth and combined with being living up to my namesake David and Goliath oh, taking yeah. on all the bullies of, of this yeah. world. Yeah. That was an important mm. grounding for me, that whole mm. area. Mm. So where did you go to primary school? 
I went to the entrance primary school, which was a bus ride away. Was that a public school or a Public school, school, yeah. Right. I went through all public school, Erina mm-hmm. High School, which was the first uh, year. No, getting school. back to primary school. Look, yep. we've got plenty of time, David. Just relax. Okay, right. You're <laughs> racing ahead, mate. You may got to have an interesting life. But I've got to get, I've I've got got to, get f- to promote the buddy film so Louise Byrne won't anger, sort of burn anger, me or, anger, anger, or, anger. or think I've got a white patch on my bum when I front yeah, up on yeah. Sunday. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We will get to that. Okay. I'm no, not okay. Ex- look, we don't promote. I have faith, Joe. I have yeah, faith. Yeah. We, right. we, look, Even as a mustard seed. You know, every other, every <laughs> other radio station, people come in with their CD, mm. their bloody book, their poetry, and they want to flog it because they've got to make a buck. <laughs> this is a different type of program. Well, no bucks in this for me. Yeah, no. yeah, I know. Purely for the cause. Yeah, but David, <laughs> we're actually interested in you and your life. Okay, okay. keep going. Um, yeah. that's, that's radical. Stop wasting, buddy, precious air time here, Joe, and buddy, <laughs> meandering here. Exactly. Right? We are meandering. <laughs> we are meandering. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Did you find in primary school? Did you find that there was anything particularly you were good at? Uh, Getting my shirt buttons ripped off and annoying the heck out of my mother because playing Red Rover crossover (laughs) court one two three, breaking out of other kids' uh, grasp of me. Uh huh. Uh huh. Nothing academic. Uh, No, I I enjoyed. I liked. um, I liked school. I remember in the multiple choice question. I took a guess at what a gunya was. Oh, you right. know? Yeah, that, that education of the 50s that. You're and that. You remember that 60 years later. Yeah, we, we obviously <laughs> never got any uh, education about the first peoples yeah. and who really yeah. owned or were custodians of this land. But yeah. I can remember getting it right, a pure guess at what a gunya yeah. was, you yeah. know. You realise that life is... A lot of guessing, a lot of luck. <laughs> a lot of luck, yeah. A lot of All luck. right, so where did you go to high school? I went to Erina High School, which or was, was uh, near Gosford. What, another bus ride? Or? It was a bus ride, a bit further than the entrance primary, mm. and uh, not too much. It was a, a good school because we were the first year into it. And I end up being school captain of that year. Hang on, and hang on, hang on. Hang sorry, on. Yeah. okay. Are, so you, are, you, are, you, are, you, are you kind of? I'm just feeding your lines here, Joe, so that you can sort of then come need, back to it a little we, later we, on, you know. But yeah, I bring it back to year one. We, don't worry, yeah, of high school. We don't need. We don't need to feed us lines. <laughs> I know nothing about. you. He's an alpha male, if ever there was one, isn't he, Dale? Is what it? Yeah. Listeners, this is. Uh, <laughs> it's like we've got two Joes in this year, or two Davids. I'm not sure. How about two bulls? <laughs> They're made. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, two tomorrow. old bulls. But it is fascinating to watch. <laughs> it's it's uh, two old bulls that have passed their prime, <laughs> and they've forgotten. Never a true word is spoken. <laughs> All right. So did you did you excel at anything at high school? The what? Excel at anything at high school? Uh, history and history. English. Yeah, not a not a great whiz at science or maths, but I you know, persevered. Mm. Did. did why did you um, like English and history? Any particular reason? Because most kids didn't like history in those days. Uh, I did think it was a, a, a gift, you know, a, mm. a predilection that I had and uh, mm. followed. I had a really good uh, history teacher who was a bit of a father figure for me right. since I didn't have a dad right. overtly in my life then. Mm. And I liked English as well, you know. I got turned on to... Even though it was a bit boring at the start, uh, Shakespeare and you know, and mm-hmm. Sons and Lovers to right. a Baptist boy who couldn't like even go to school, school dances. Right. That was a pretty uh, you yeah. know, hot, hot, hot yeah. sort of read. That right. you know, so a very yeah. hot read. So uh, this this um, Baptist boy business. Did you still continue to go to church and and get involved in all the activities of the church? Oh yeah, with the school? Billy Graham crusade, and I probably wow. I can't what? remember it. I what, probably the went 66 forward. Billy Graham. Yeah, you when went, he came down to, uh, down to Sydney, to the, uh-huh. uh, 
to the showground, not the showground, the racetrack there, I think, yeah. Randwick. Yeah. <laughs> I still, I think he still owns the record in Australia for the most people at a, at a public a, rally, rally, public really? rallies, yeah. yeah, around the country. I think about one in ten Australians actually went. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, actually, I remember it, but. I didn't go. I was a Roman Catholic. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, we didn't worry about the Protestants. And Wouldn't your mate Scott Morrison love to have that record? Eh? Yeah, well, One point exactly, two yeah, uh, yeah. Australians going to a public well, speech for him. I, I was asked by I think it was Win TV yesterday whether. We really wanted to burn him. And I said, no, I wouldn't waste a match burning Scott Morrison. But <laughs> we're happy to burn the effigy. <laughs> I don't think that made I think that hit the cutting room floor. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know what it's like. <laughs> All right, so young lad, 17, 18, you finish high school, it'll be mm. what... Uh, 68, 69. 69, 69. Yeah. So, uh, what happens? One of the Commonwealth Scholarship. Course, hang on, was, yeah. hang on, hang on. I can't believe this. You sure this bloke isn't me? <laughs> I was school captain. I went to a public school. I won a Commonwealth Scholarship. What's going on no, here? No, David? It was, that's how all the regos here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but what did you do? With the Commonwealth Scholarship. Well, I went to the ANU because I wanted to get a bit further away from mum and dad in Sydney. Yeah, it makes sense. And, yeah. uh, and that was, you know, the era, as you know, it was, mm-hmm. you know, the Vietnam War, it was anti-apartheid, Springbok right. tour. I was a rugger bugger. I played rugby, loved it. And right. so I was looking over the fence at the Monica Oval in Canberra while we were throwing buddy sort of, um, uh, flares and so on and uh, beaten up by the cops and I went to the tent embassy there I was one of the original tent embassy whiteys that uh, got rolled on the July the 20th 72 uh, I only reason uh, I know that date my daughter 16 year old daughter this week has been doing a, a essay for her school about the tent embassy so I said well guess who I was there you know yeah. and look I'm a bit confused here you are a decent Hard working. Baptist boy. Bo- Baptist boy. You leave high school and Springbok, anti Springbok tour, well, I, yeah. you know, moratoriums. What's, well, what happened? Well, I could never go to the moratoriums because uh, I have to put that on the public record because mm. I went uh, to uni believing in the domino theory, you right. know, and, uh, yep. and I was pretty conservative because of my upbringing and so on. Mm. But, you know, it was many glasses of claret and joints into the night that sort of uh, slowly turned me around. But with a fellow um, Melbourneite, Sam Gaylard, uh, we both were the right wingers on the Vietnam War and that. So we couldn't, right. because of our egos, admit that our yeah. fellow lifting so, mates... So you, so you were actually waiting, expecting to have your marble drawn out and yeah. go to fight in Vietnam. You yeah. would have gone there, would you? I, or would you have deferred because you're at university? I probably would have deferred because, you know, yeah. and as you know, Goff got elected and yeah. uh, my, my marble wasn't drawn and Goff would have turned it over. But... Mm. I would have been a really interesting dilemma for me, yeah. Al, because, uh, Joe, sorry, because I um, would have been put on the ropes about, you know, dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone and stand up there, and that belief system about, you know, Vietnam being one of the dominoes. At the same time, this sort of conflict and, and growing awareness that the world wasn't as it was made out to be as a kid that grew up with the myth of Gallipoli and all that sort of stuff yeah. that we were indoctrinated with. So did you continue to go to church during this period or did you start? No, I kind of fell away pretty early in yeah. the piece, yeah. Right. Now how about your, your faith? Did it fall away at that stage? Or? My faith totally fell away from that, yeah, with the discovery of sex, drugs and rock and roll. Yeah. Which, which one was more important? Pardon? Which one was more important, sex, drugs or rock and roll? Well, depending <laughs> upon what I could get hold of. Right most, at the time. <laughs> and most I did, didn't, like you, I don't know what you 
your experience was, but you know, yeah. uh, women were too smart for the likes of me at the time. <laughs> you know, I mean, I had my reasonable oh, encounters in that, well, but it was, uh, you know, I'm not going to divulge anything. No, yeah. <laughs> did you go? Did you go? As you, you were in Canberra in '71, didn't you go? Yeah. Did you go to the what was it, the day of um, rage? Rage. Yeah, I think because I, I was there. I vaguely remember that. I've said that, that the title. There were about ten, yeah. fifteen thousand kids, uh, high school, I mean university, uh, young university students from around Australia went to Canberra and we marched from building to building, building to, to building. building. It was the day of rage. And there's very little actually uh, you can find on the name. I remember it. the name of it there, mm. uh, Joe, but I don't know that I actually yeah. took Cause part Because that's, that's the only it. time I went to the ANU because I remember there was this continuous drumming which went on for days mm-hmm. in, in, in the uh, school's in the student union. Yeah. Oh, really? Well, I, I should theory. Yeah, I remember um, uh, Daddy Cool coming to the ANU. Yeah, yeah. Another interesting thing you might or may not want to pursue in oh, your no. control of this interview. Well, that's the <laughs> whole point, David. <laughs> you've, you've, I'm very pleased you've understood <laughs> that, that the interviewer <laughs> has you. control. Thank you. It's good to see, Dale. It took a while to break this horse, didn't it? Go on. I know. I'm still sort of trying to buck around a little bit there. Don't worry. I'll bring a few curlies out. Yeah. It still. is fascinating. But one of, one, of my, one of my best mates at the ANU uh, in second or third year of, mm. of uni turned out to be Peter Garrett. All right. Mm-hmm. And uh, we shared a love of, uh, of surfing and body surfing and... Uh, and and so on. He wasn't as political as I was at the time, <laughs> uh, or as radical, I guess. But yeah, uh, yeah that was a, a friendship that uh, came from there, and stead stood the test of time, even with his um, entry into Labor Party politics yeah. for a brief uh, interlude back yeah. there. I'm just just I'm just interested in this. Um, the fact that uh, you went to university. I never asked you. What were you studying? I studied history and politics, and a sub major in English. What a waste of a Commonwealth scholarship. Oh. You could have done something practical. I <laughs> know, oh, got an earning out of it. You got yeah. an earning out of it. Yeah. So what, did that lead, what did that lead to? <laughs> well, you know, back to Erin High, if you want to. Um, Teaching? No, no. Uh-huh. Well, the vocational guidance teacher uh-huh. uh, sort of broke my bubble of belief in myself that I could... Uh, be a, a medical scientist and discover the cure for cancer, which oh, is what right. I wanted to do, yeah, yeah. based upon my auntie who was a nurse, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, understanding that there was a lot of cancer in the world even mm. back then. So the vocational guidance teacher said maybe he could consider journalism. Right. So when I was about 14 or 15, I started writing a column for our local town newspaper called The Entrance Social Jotting. So every Friday afternoon after I finished school, I'd go down to ent- the entrance and I'd go around and say, who's had a baby and right. who's got anything to talk about? And then that sort of segued into working in the school holidays at the Central Coast Express in Gosford and and liking it more. So I went to university very determined that I, I would like the idea of being a journalist. I knew what I wanted to do. And the rest of the time was just, uh, you, know, you know, having a good time and chasing girls and, and demos and, uh, and, and finding who I was at the same you know, time. You know why we could do that and they can't do it today? No, because we had a Commonwealth scholarship. No, no. <laughs> no better fees. Than that. No, better than that. Right. We didn't have continuous assessment. Uh-huh. We waited till the end of the year, did our exams, yeah. and either passed or failed and repeated. Yeah. You could do what you like during the year. You didn't yeah. have to turn up to lectures these days. They're just 
they're just bound hand and foot. Yeah, we did have the occasion, let's say, that was did due, you? not oh, as much as what oh. this can, uh, is today with yeah. the continual assessment. Well, well, well David, look, yeah. this is the first time I think I've actually um, respected your, your choice because mm-hmm. I did medicine and I still haven't found the cure for cancers. I've wasted my <laughs> life. So you've made the right decision going to journalism. Right. So did it... Did it End up in a real job in the journalistic field? Yeah, I, uh, while I was there, I worked at the ABC in Canberra, and um, mm. uh, that sort of helped me get a job at the ABC uh, in mm. Sydney on Radio News. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did that for about 12 months and, and found even the ABC, though it was a great training ground, and I was in Parliament House when uh, Alan Ramsey uh, used my shoulders to uh, steady himself and called out, from the press gallery of Old Parliament House to John Gorton, then PM, you liar, <laughs> which was just a, you know, unheard of that the press gallery yeah. you know, does anything but being objective journalists, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I went up and worked at the ABC in Sydney for a while and did the police rounds and the courts and the uh, chasing what, fire brigades up think, in King's Cross. Police, what do you think the police rounds in those days? It was a little bit of corruption, I reckon. Yeah, I, I probably was at a level where they would give me the chance yeah. to sort of get yeah. at, at that level. I just had to do the boring stuff, you know, sort of. Nobody handed you a kind of a envelope full of cash or anything. No, no, oh. no. But interesting enough, Jim Jack Mundy was um, <coughs> protecting King's Cross and Potts Point from being mm, destroyed by right. yeah, the, the teeth uh, and that and the uh, and the, the banks eye. that were yeah. going heavily into mm. into development and building up apartment blocks to sell the yuppies. What's the name of the woman who disappeared? It was most likely murdered. That Juanita by, Nielsen. That's right. Yeah. yeah. By developers. It's never, yeah, young woman dis- journalist. Yeah. 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 Did that? Did that kind of No, I didn't. I was that was sort of like I was, you know, working with the ABC and uh, you know. But I, I kind of knew that I didn't. I wasn't going to stick around to get the epaulets on my shoulder. And And this is David Bradbury in downtown Bangkok for ABC Radio News or TV News. I liked the idea of TV, but there was very much siloed off in those days where you only worked for radio and you couldn't show the sort of egotistical show pony desire to get onto the box and become a television reporter. I I think you would have been a good egotistical reporter on TV. (laughs) I think you would have done really well. I mean, being a surfer and having a, you know, well-toned body unlike me, (laughs) I think you would have done really well. The other ones that were better than me, like Mike Carlton and Mm, Peter Luck mm, and uh, mm. Mike Willisie, they're a bit older than me, but yeah, Yeah. that was all. So what happened after you decided the ABC? So I got a rotary fellowship. I got a graduate fellowship. Right. And I applied. I said, "What well, your choice of universities are top five. And I said, mm-hmm. um, Columbia University, New York, and then sort of uh, uh, Chicago, Northwestern University of Journalism in the, there. And none of them, in their wisdom, they were chosen by Rotary. They uh, sent me to this backwater uh, state called West Virginia uh-huh. in Morgantown. Uh-huh. But it turned out to be a great choice, in fact, you know, because mm-hmm. it was... Um, more down to earth, and uh, and there were some great people that came through as speakers mm. at the time. Was this the first time you've been overseas? No, no, I'd done a uh, a rugby, or I'd actually been a Lions Club youth a year at high school, gone mm. to New Zealand, mm-hmm. and then in 1972 we uh, had a rugby world tour, which took us to the states and to Canada and mm. to Europe and mm. playing rugby, and um, that just uh, continued my desire to get out oh. of Australia and see the the cool. greener. Fields. So how long did you last in West Virginia for the year? That was uh, 10 months and mm. I was um, 
under the tutelage, one of my broadcast, one of my um, professors or teachers was Frank Kearns, who was a who sounded had a voice like um, Humphrey Bogart smoked, you know, two yeah, yeah, packets a day and mm. camels or Marlborough, well, and it was, uh, it was obligatory. He'd, he'd he'd been a CBS correspondent in mm. um, in the Biafra and the Six Day Ooh. War and oh. uh, and Egypt and so on. I discovered mm. later on, uh, much to his uh, falling from grace, and he wouldn't have been proud of it. He had actually been uh, also worked for the CIA in mm-hmm. Egypt, and yeah, uh, it was an did a moonlight, not unusual yeah. at all, because uh-huh. during the Second World War he'd been a, an agent for against you know, Germany and the Nazis yeah. and the yeah. Soviets. Yeah. So Frank said to me one day in his um, office. And we, we talked about what I was doing. He could see there was a bit of talent, I guess, a bit of mm-hmm. passion in my soul. He said, you don't want to see war, David. War is hell. And, uh, and I just, that just made me more. Why this guy that I looked up to that was... I thought, uh, you, I thought, I thought after that good advice, you'd go into fashion, mate. Why, <laughs> why didn't you take the advice? I know. I was like you, instead of sticking with buddy your medical degree and thinking you could find the cure to cancer, you know. So uh, Frank uh, inspired me on to want to do that. And when we went for a summer school month-long course in Rome, he wanted to get back to his old drinking mates with CBS News that he'd covered Africa and and uh, and, uh, and so on with and Middle East. And he took a group of us over there, some of his star students, to sit in Rome for a month. And one of the uh, people I met there was uh, a, d- a wonderful uh Stocky, short, because I'm short, and uh, uh, Mario, Mario, and uh, and he took me around to some of the stuff that he was covering with his camera, and we talked mm. about the Six Day War. Where he dropped to the desert floor with right. his film camera, and rather mm. than and wrecked his tennis elbow, rather than um, yeah. lose his precious film. So you, you'd, you'd done no camera work before then. I hadn't. No, I'd no, no. I'd done yeah, just basically basic stuff, as, yeah. as a kid with a no yeah. with a with a brownie still yeah, camera. But, 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 during your journalist no. career at no. that stage. No, I was with a microphone. Remember, the ABC yeah. didn't want you to go into that, TV. That's and right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there was no, at that stage, there was no film school open no. in Australia, not one. You know? but, but what excited you about this? Well, I just uh, I realised in talking to Mario and talking to uh, Frank Kearns that, you know, the, the life of a journalist in being in foreign war zones, and on my way over to West Virginia, I'd stopped off in Portugal and, uh, and Greece. And both countries, as I went there in my combi van with my girlfriend at the time, good old Sheza, who was also a journalist with a Daily Mirror in Sydney, um, that there was exciting stuff happening there. In Portugal, it was the end of Salazar's 40-year right, yeah. um, dictatorship. and yeah, the, the great people. social revolution in 75. Yeah. Were you actually was, there in 75? It was pe- 74, yeah. 74, it was a peaceful, yeah, yeah, yeah. A peaceful uh, carnation. Yeah. They yeah. came out and, and just thumped plastic hammers on their cars and tooted their horns. Mm. And then about a month later, as Sharon and I were driving into Athens in the combi, mm. I saw this troop trucks going around, yeah, and yeah. I said to Shez, you know, uh, look, I wonder what's going on here, Shez. It looks like there's a bit of action. And she yeah. says, shut up, Dave, and keep on driving with that dry, laconic <laughs> way that Australian women have got yeah. of putting us in our place. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Or you so, you did, so did you keep on driving? Or did so you I kept on driving into <laughs> Athens, and sure enough, the next morning we woke up and there was military music playing yeah. on the on the loudspeakers in yeah. the streets of Athens, and, and women were hugging their menfolk and crying as they were going off to uh, the yeah. invasion of Cyprus that had taken place by... Turks and they were then all the uh, young men were being conscripted or going off to do their national service to mm. combat the dreaded Turk as mm. our young men had mm. done in 1915 in Gallipoli. Well, David, 
You've earned a respite for about 10 seconds. Great. It's uh, 4.33. This is Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Don't despair. Dale will podcast this program. I won't, obviously, but Dale will podcast this program. And forevermore, you can listen to David Bradbury tell us about some extraordinary things that have happened in his life. All right, so when did you pick up the camera? Uh, probably in terms of a film camera at West Virginia with a, mm-hmm. a Bolex that they had. So, you had you, so at, at this particular point in time, you diverted into film, did you? Uh, no, I, I was studying broadcast journalism at West Virginia, right, right. which gave me the opportunity to... So when, uh, did, you, when did you divert into film? Uh, well, at, 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 at that, that time, time, you know, yeah, mm. just doing little student films on, you mm. know. But after that, after that, when would you after start that, making well, a buck out of it? Um, well, with, with basically, I came back to Australia and came back to the ABC, which I swore I'd never do after an exciting what, what year was this? adventure. That was um, 75, right. 76, mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, I need to earn some money to be able to go back overseas again. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be back in the States in 76 for their... Um, their bicentennial, well, yep. and uh, I did that, so I saved up some money, and I bought a stack of um, opal triplets, and, um, and Excuse which... Excuse me, are they, are they human beings? What's an no, opal opals, triplet? Yeah, <laughs> that there was, you know, I couldn't afford the full fiery black or red opals, right, but I so bought some summer, of them, right. but I, I worked for 12 months at the ABC, and, mm. I was, and mm. I'd taken the uh, advice of uh, a woman that Turned out to be a high-class hooker, and had, amongst other clients had Tom mm. Jones and mm. someone in New York. She mm. ended up stealing all my bloody opals when I sent them to her, and I couldn't sell them when I landed in San Francisco in oh, 1976 and David, hitchhiked down so 501. Na- you're so naive. <laughs> now, I want, look, I want to find out when you started making real films. When I made Frontline. You made Frontline. Yeah, and the genesis of it was in, mm-hmm. in that Conversations right. with Mario and Frank Kearns, mm-hmm. the CBS correspondent, mm-hmm. and I, I, de- I discerned, looking back at it, that the the background to how news footage is actually shot and what journalists have got to do, what cameramen have got to do to stay alive in war zones, mm-hmm. having been through Greece and, and smuggling out radio reports to the ABC from the there with you know, heavy guys yeah. with, with rifles at the airport and mm-hmm. Athens and so on. Uh, I I wanted to have that sort of life for myself. I thought this is that you know this beats mm. chasing fire. Well, 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 it was a revolutionary film, Frontline. It actually changed the way. I mean, I remember going seeing it, and and a lot of my uh, friends and colleagues saw that as a divining moment. You know, it was a a moment where you realised you can do things for camera that has never been done before in Australia. Oh yeah? yeah, is that how you perceived it? That's yeah. how we perceived it. That's how right. we perceived it because um, I don't think you realised the the impact it had at that particular point in state. You know, mm. It was it had. A, it had a I knew it was a popular it. film, and that yeah. Yeah, Neil was a unique character. Mm. How lucky was I, Joe, to yeah. stumble into Neil as my first mentor in journalism yeah. or mm. Uh, mm. filmmaking? No, no, it was just an extraordinary film. So what 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 did that lead to? Public Enemy Number One, Wilfred right. Burchett. Right, right, and. Uh, Neil, I learnt a lot from, mm. and I had a great respect, but I was also influenced by my political background at the ANU, which mm-hmm. is all theory at that point. Right. And I wanted in Neil to be more what I thought and did find in Wilfred Burchett, that is, first and foremost, a citizen of the earth. Mm-hmm. 
and, uh, and one's responsibility is not to a broadcaster, not to Rupert Murdoch, uh, but to tell the truth as best and honestly as you can and the whole truth, get it out there as mm. best you can. How long did that film take to make? Public Enemy? Yeah. Uh, it was pretty quick turnaround time as well. You know, I, um, I, I got, um, I think, um, $13,000 from French television for the sale of Frontline, right. which was still waiting to be sold at that stage to the ABC. And I said, stuff it, I'll just uh, live on the dole right. and, uh, and go to, now, to now. Vietnam with, with Wilfred. Yeah, now, a very important question, because I'm going to trivialise this, obviously. Did you go to the professional dial office or the ordinary <laughs> dial office? Remember the, remember the I, difference of that? I don't know. I don't remember. I just went yeah. to the you know, run of the oh, mill. You're, 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 you're a graduate. In those days, when it was <laughs> oh, really? run by the Commonwealth <laughs> Government, I didn't it, was, it hadn't been outsourced. Uh, there was a professional dial office and there was an ordinary dial Oh, really? Oh, yeah. You must I have didn't. Gone to the, uh, yeah. You must have gone to the professional dial office, I reckon. <laughs> well, by mistake. Or just well, they would have said, oh, yeah, he's, he's a film yeah. producer. What's the yeah. point? You know, he's no, I didn't say I was a film producer, so <laughs> I, I haven't got a job. Yeah. I ended up giving on Frontline and on and Public Enemy and yeah. on Nicaragua No Pass Around, my oh, third hang on, film. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I ended up, now, this what, is part of the dole. I gave yeah. my dole money to the editor to right. edit it because that's the only way I could get them made. Right. So when, when did that come out? Which, public Nicaragua. Enemy? No, 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 Nicaragua. It came out in about 84, 85. Mm. What was it like in Nicaragua then? Oh, it was amazing, you know, the first trip I made, because I was trying, after I'd made the film about Neil and then Wilfred Burchett, mm. I wanted to snare an even bigger fish for my third film, my Troika, and that was Graham Greene, the mm. famous English writer. He'd been a war correspondent, as you know, as well. And I, so I tracked him down to his apartment on Tibes in southern France, and I rang his doorbell brazenly one day, and a crackly voice down the intercom said, Yes, here is it. And I said, motor mouth, a little bit like I still am, Joe. I was David Bradbury, and I'm from Australia, and I've written you a letter, and... Uh, you haven't uh, answered. Yeah, oh, yeah, you haven't <laughs> answered, though. And he said, I sent you a reply to Paris. Uh, and this long pregnant pause. I uh, think oh, he's going to tell me to F off. off yeah. Uh, and he said, well, you better come up then. So he sent the elevator down for what seemed to be an interminable time, and I got nervously into the elevator. I mean, this is yeah. you know, Neil Graham That's right. Green, you yeah, know, and yeah. Quiet American, you know, all yeah. those felt, those wonderful books that I'd read. And uh, I go up, and there's this very uh, tall, but bent over, arthritic uh, hand, uh, like a, a craggy yeah. eagle's grasp of talons that he puts out <laughs> to me there. Yeah. You know, this man that had stared down the, uh, you know, the Haitian mafia, yeah. and yeah. but he'd been in a bomber jet in Vietnam mm. one moment with a, mm. with a French, and then the next moment asking Ho Chi Minh if he's got the only AP aspirin he can get over his opium uh, <laughs> uh, uh, overdose or right. sort of headache, you know, yeah, and... Yeah. Uh, and and then we sat down for this. I really wish, Joe, that I had been out of secretly if you had have had a digital phone in those days no, to record it. Because the next three hours after he offered me a, a gin and tonic, but apologised he had no ice because his refrigerator wasn't working. And I looked at the refrigerator and son of an electrician, my dad was an electrician, I could see that the, the plug wasn't pushed in properly. So right. I got it going <laughs> and he was really impressed by that. <laughs> Brilliant. And then he told me all these amazing, amazing stories down, you know, through Africa and Vietnam. Yeah. The one mm. I just said about Ho Chi Minh and mm. 
about how he had a very French relationship with a woman that mm. uh, the husband in the town. He was a, an old man at yeah. this stage mm. in his late mid eighties, and mm. uh, and I had a couple of more lunches down the, you know, a year or two later with that, which was a great joy to me to, to say that I had more than one lunch with Graham Greene. How many parties can you dinner parties can you drop that at? Who paid? Uh, no, we we just had the gin and tonic. Oh, and I, just that. I, I went out right. there, and 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 he he said to me, saying, no, no, he didn't want to film a documentary made about him. He'd made a commitment to himself a long yes. time ago not to do that, mm. but he would be interested in in combining with me to make a film about his um his good friend uh, Omar Torrios mm. who was the benevolent left-wing dictator of the Panama who yeah. stood up to the Yankees on the Panama Canal uh, he revisited mm. or also he said there's something interesting happening in Nicaragua mm. and I think you should maybe uh, check that out yeah. so I went back to Australia and uh, got on with dreaming and got a, a, a price of a ticket from the Stra- Student Travel Association to fly Graham Green and I and he wrote me this letter after I wrote to him saying, will you come with me to right. Nicaragua yeah. like that? And he said, you know, Omar Torrios, his good friend, the uh, leader of the Panama, had been assassinated in, yeah. a, in a plane mm-hmm. where Noriega, the drug warlord, or uh, the CIA or both had uh, knocked him off. And um, and so he'd lost, he felt like, it was on a manual typed, uh, manual typewriter, he said he felt like he'd had a a, a limb severed from his his body in mm. the loss of that, and he'd, uh, of and he'd lost all interest in Latin America, and right. uh, obviously he's getting ready to die oh, at that yes, stage yes. a few yes. years later too. Yeah. And uh, and so I didn't take no for an answer, which is part of my personality, be stubborn, and, and yeah. uh, it's a good asset as a filmmaker. And uh, so I went to Nicaragua, and I ran into Bianca Jagger there, right. and uh, Thomas Borhey, right. who was right. a the subject in the end of my film, No Passaran. Mm. And I came back and I sent a ticket over to Graham Green from Estonia. And he wrote back another nice letter saying, I would have to be the oldest student on the planet to travel on this ticket, but <laughs> I have to say, dear chap, I have to uh, you know, send it back to you because yeah, I'm just not, not up in shape up to yeah, it. Right. So what, 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 what came after that? Uh, Chile hasta cuando. Right. So I, I'd go over to Cuba to uh, have a bit of R&R from making of no, Nicaragua No Pasaran and mm. to go to the Latin American Film Festival. I saw all these exciting films coming out of Latin America, which really furthered my passion for Latin American radical politics. Mm. And I met at, a, at a, one of the film festival parties, Patricia Guzman, who made The Battle of Chile. Chile. And I remember in... Before I, I left the ABC, before I went off on these adventures and the scholarship, Rotary Fellowship to the States, I remember seeing the Battle of Chile in in uh, Opera House in Sydney, Sydney. Yeah. and rem- and and thinking uh, that you know uh, and I, I'd been in the newsroom when the telex had, at the ABC where the telex had come through saying Allende had been overthrown, and I remember thinking, yeah, excuse my French, mm. yeah, but yeah. What, yeah, you know, it's bastards, you know, mm. the Yankees, the Yanks won't, uh, even let a, a socially, yeah. mm. a properly elected, uh, Government. socialist, uh, come to power without sort of, you know, overthrowing oh, him. Mm-hmm. So at this cocktail party with Patricia Guzman in Havana, I said to him, you know, what do you think the chances are of, of going, getting into Chile? Mm. 
and he chilled me to the bone where he said, <laughs> very matter of fact, I think you know, it'd be a problem for me to go back, but I don't think it'd be any problem for you right. as an Australian. Mm. So I wrestled <laughs> with that, thought, well, it's put up or shut up, Bradbury, you yeah. know, like that. Uh, so I typed out a, I had a letterhead lift from the ABC and I, a blank and I typed, I'm at this um, fake um, press <coughs> letter of introduction to the press corps or, uh, in um, office in, in, in Santiago and I went there with my then girlfriend and production manager Leah Cox and um, uh, American Cameraman, I did sound, and mm. uh, Maureen, our translator from mm. New York, she was a feisty American Irish woman. Mm. He fell in love with a with a Chilean uh, left wing gorilla at the time, <laughs> and was, went off for these <laughs> clandestine <laughs> meetings, so we didn't know what was happening at all. Yeah. But she'd come yeah. back with a new news tip of where to be and what, yeah. to, do. what to do. And so we made Chile Hasta Condo, right. and right. Uh, I just uh, two days ago I posted, in fact. Um, there's a wonderful nun, uh, ex-nun, that lives down in the Mornington Peninsula here, mm. Polo Bay, uh, called um, uh, Monica Houston. And she and her then partner, an American nun, um, they smuggled out our 16mm film cans, right. as did um, Andrew Ferguson, who was a, mm. a lefty uh, trade union rep for the CMFEU that came to San Diego yeah. for meetings. And mm. we knew we didn't want to take the chance yeah. of our precious footage and, and tapes being confiscated by the secret police as we left uh, mm. the San Diego airport. So we gave it to them. Mm. And after three months, we realized we were being pretty well observed. We'd mm. used an excuse after the first month of the earthquake that had happened conveniently to stay on and make a film about music and religion right. yes. uh, but then they were on to us because we kept on going to the, all these demos that That's were right. spontaneously you, you happening going, around you town you church no you weren't going to church there wasn't much of a camera <laughs> no Haley Mary's no, at no, all no, yeah. no rosaries <laughs> nothing no alright so what's your, what's your latest project Latest project, uh, eyes glancing at the clock, I see you there, Joe's thinking we'd better get this loud mouth out of no, here. No, 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 Plenty of time. You came <laughs> I'm trying to bring it back where I'm taking control you, of the interview, you, for goodness you, sake. You, you came in for a specific <laughs> purpose, purpose yeah, and yeah. reason, and we're giving uh, you that opportunity, okay. David. Remember, in 30 you, seconds or less, then, Joe. Uh, you've <laughs> been around a long time, and so have I, and, yeah. and Dale is learning. All right. Hopefully she's learning a lot from this about putting a sock in both our mouths, eh? And yeah, taking no, over. no, no, no. She's just learning. She's learning. She's learning. <laughs> it is fascinating <laughs> to observe. <laughs> she's learning. So the, the next project is called The Act of No Choice. And it's a segue from The Act of Free Choice, inverted commas around free, of a, um, a referendum that took place in West Papua, or what was then called... Uh, West Irian in 1969. And uh, when I, three years ago, I bumped into a journalist uh, living in Brisbane, retired, that I'd heard a lot about but never met, who'd covered Vietnam for 13 months, called Hugh Lunn, before and d- dice with death, and uh, like they all did, Neil Davis, all my heroes of my youth. And Hugh had asked for a... Um, a uh, uh, a much less stressful posting, something in a in a, a sleepy little town called Jakarta. Oh, and, right. and uh in nineteen sixty nine. It was after Sakana had been overthrown right, and things had settled down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sleepy and, little yeah, town. Yeah. yeah. And, and of course Hugh 
27 years of age with yeah. lovely long blonde hair and being yeah. dashing and that knew none of that but his <laughs> boss who was a Korean at the Singapore office of Reuters said I'll give you the Jakarta posting rather than going back to Vietnam here on one condition and he said what's that? that you get your hair cut. Right. And she thought, well, dying. And uh, he had four mates of his that had been killed in an ambush in Saigon at the yeah. height of the Tet when he was there. And yeah. he'd been in planes where the bullets had come through the helicopter floor and body bags of Americans being chopped back that he had to ride back to Saigon with. And so he was over war, you know. So he... Um, he went to Jakarta with his hair cut and at a cocktail party as you attended in those days to get information and to hit on a beautiful Javanese woman that was yeah. a bureaucrat in her, in the office of primitives. Yeah. Uh, she let slip over a cocktail to the dashing Hugh. Isn't it terrible what's happening in Erie Barat now? And Hugh didn't have a clue. He'd only been there for a couple of weeks, and he's, but he played along as you yeah, do as a yeah. seasoned journalist and said, oh, yes, it is. What do you know about what's going on there? And she said, oh, they've sent 800 paratroopers in there uh, because all these primitives with bows and arrows have taken over a an airstrip in the, in the central part of the country there, and yeah. all these natives have been killed. It's terrible. So Hughes sort of registered, okay, right, and wrote a a front-page story which got him carpeted by the Minister for Primitives, uh, but he couldn't deny it because uh, it was true. It wasn't run run by the Sydney Morning Herald or Mm -hmm. any of the Reuters uh, Mm -hmm. outlets in Australia at all, but it was run in Asia. And uh, and that was typical of, and to this day it's typical that the Australian media and the Western media in general don't even know where um, West Papua is. Well, look, is. it's a long way away. It's 74 kilometres from Australia. Coastal, it's a long I way. Know, and I remember know. the refugees that came across in a <laughs> traditional canoe in 2007, <laughs> I think. So it is a yeah, long way yeah, away. Yeah, you're right. And you know, it was yeah. far more important in July 1969 yes. that Neil Armstrong took that giant step for mankind on the moon yeah. than you'd send a journalist to cover uh, the act of free choice, choice. in, in West, right. well, West there, Papua. There was a mountain of gold there. You've got a free port. You've got to understand... Gold? What gold? Freeport? Yeah, just a mountain. Oh, but it's only the most important, the the, the biggest so uh, uh, yeah. deposit of gold and copper on the planet, Joe. People don't uh, operate out of greed and desire to rape and pillage a country for the sake <laughs> of gold, do they? Still, we're no, not we're no. not part of that era, surely. We left that in the dark ages, no, didn't we? No, 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 no. We are part of that. And era. oil and gas off the That's bird's right. head of Sarong. And, and all those beautiful forests. Oh yes, for those Malaysians and those, yeah, uh, and those Chinese and, and those, those Japs fish, that want to get yeah. in there and rip and, the and shit all, out of it. And all those nasty gorillas that are still up there in the oh, mountains. Oh yeah, with their bows trouble. and arrows and World War Two Tommy guns yeah. fighting against the poor unarmed T and I with their <laughs> latest uh, weaponry right. and napalm provided by the United States so, so, to so bomb them. So how did you get in? contact with the West Papuans here these days at the uh, office down at Docklands? I've only just come back into contact with them really mm. because you know sort of what we've been talking about kind of um, uh, segued me into another diversion in life after I went up to West Papua in 1977 right. up to the border mm-hmm. and discovered what was actually going on but I've always kept a a little candle burning in the dark recesses of my heart and mind for West Papua. And uh, after meeting Hugh and coming up to the 50th anniversary this year of man landing on the moon and the country being sold into modern-day slavery, 
I figured I should do something with that footage that Hugh had been so generous to give me and risked his own neck in going into West Palm. So what have you done with the footage? What have you done so with I've the turned it into a, a, a half-hour doco called right. The Act of No Choice. And, and I assume people are knocking on your door and want, want you to oh, show Oh, the ABC has offered me $250,000 for right, it. Yeah. It's a bidding war between SBS and Foxtel tell, and CNN. That's, so that's right, yeah. I'm, I'm just in made for words, life now on my $130 yeah, in, in, a week right, old-age pension. pension. So in other, <laughs> words, in other words, nobody's <laughs> interested. No. Not but yet. I know our listeners are interested. Yeah. And this is the point. Now, Mr. Bradbury, or is it doctor or Mr. I no, I haven't <laughs> uh, stayed around to get my <laughs> doctorate. doctorate yet. Well, I'm yeah. going to give you an honorary doctorate. <laughs> oh, thank you, Dr. No, well, Joe. Well, they give him out. Really nearly, Why yeah. can't I give out an honorary doctorate <laughs> from Radical Australia? Well, I've been waiting for someone to say you're the. Yeah, that's that's great. I've got an honorary doctorate. It. Just remember, right. from Radical Australia, you've got an honorary right. doctorate. Well, you'd agree with that, Dale, wouldn't you? I'm so down with that. <laughs> yeah, right. You are. <laughs> as long as <laughs> I can right. have one too. So, now the office at we- uh, the West Papua Independence Office down at 838 Dockland Street. Uh, it's been going now for five years. Now you may find this hard to believe, David, but I'm actually the convener, the Rent co- Collective convener. And we're having a bit of trouble. We're about ten people short, and it's about a dollar a thing. So your bait, your film is bait to get people down there on Sunday Good. at one p.m. for a traditional West Papuan lunch. And if you're not a member of the Rent Collective, and you turn up, it's going to cost you fifteen bucks. If you're a member of the Rent Collective, and there are many of us, you pay nothing. And the whole purpose of getting the office going five years ago is to free up the West Papuan activists in Australia to actually have a centre which they can use to promote the idea of West Papua independence internationally. And they've done an exceptionally good job, and they do need support. We need support in, in terms of the rent claim. People say, why Collins Street? I say, why not? It's an emerging nation. This is a government in exile. It's an emerging nation. They need to be yeah, in an profile. area like this. They need the profile. So I'm really pleased that your film will be on, and I'll be there. Well, I'm pleased that the, uh, the women and the men that are involved with mm. that solidarity office have mm. given me the invitation. This is the world premiere. The folks. world premiere. World premiere. The world premiere. It's got the music by David Bridie uh, right. heading it up. And, uh, Excellent. Yeah. Right. Well, it no, starts, well, it starts at 1 p.m. It's 838 uh, Collins Street down in Docklands. You just walk around the side and at the back... There's a large room and you'll see people enjoying themselves and um, I'm really looking forward to the film. Really looking forward to it. Thanks, Joe. Look, it's been an honour. That's hard for me to say. Mm. It's been, <laughs> but seriously, it's been an honour to have you here in the no, studio and uh, any time you want to um, come back, let us know. Uh-huh. I mean, our audience may be small, but it is an activist audience. Yeah, that's what we want. That's the main thing. That's the main thing. Better light one candle than to mm. curse the darkness mm. is one of my mottos of life. Mm. And uh, mm. an activist that's really engaged can do a lot. You know, you know, Dale, I was going to get this bloke arrested when he came in. He's got a T-shirt on and he's got a bloke with a, with a mask on. You know, it's illegal <laughs> to wear a mask in Victoria. Did you know that? <laughs> no. Legislation was passed a year ago. All right. <laughs> you know, over a year yeah. ago. All it right. is illegal. Yeah. yeah, you get fined well, or you get jailed. I mean, oh, you know, we've had a number mm. of protests and... You've got E-Z-L-N. What does that stand for? 
I think this is from the Zapatas. It is uh, Zapatas. Yeah, yeah. Zapatistas, yeah. Yeah. And they wore a lot of masks. I didn't even consciously wear that knowing yeah. I was coming into a hotbed of revolutionary activity <laughs> here at 3CR. Well, I call it a hotbed of a... Uh, it's a nursing home for <laughs> ageing revolutionaries. <laughs> but fortunately, we have many young people like Dale and much, much, much younger than Dale mm-hmm. who are taking up the torch Fantastic. out there. They're uh, using the Red Steer. Great. You remember what the Red what? Steer was? No. It was the 1891 Shearer strike. Yeah. The Red uh, Steer was a metaphor for using fire to get your own way during the Shearer strike. Using fire? Fire. You'd burn the place down. All right. You'd use the Red Steer. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Look, thank you very right. much, David. The program yeah, is podcast. Thanks. It's yeah. been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, and seriously, if you ever want to come back. No, I will. I sort of, um, yeah. Because obviously you've made an extremely important contribution, not just in Australia, but around the world. You've put your life at risk many times uh, to get this information across. And I don't think you realise the profound impact you've had on uh, uh, maybe a small number of people, but a profound impact. And the fact that uh, you were willing to do that over so many decades for nothing, basically, because you don't get paid. You don't get the contracts, and uh, these days there's no way you'd be back in the ABC. So uh, thank you very much for all you've done for this country. Thanks, Joe. And uh, I'm going to make a promise to you. If you die before me, I'm coming to your funeral. Okay? <laughs> okay. Thank you very much, Dan. When you heard the call, you left me on my own. See no reason to find my way back home. And the woodsman lives by the river in the valley. And he waits for me like a spider. Between the trees Could be struggling for you.